0: You're listening to ReachMD. This episode of Living Room, titled How and When to Escalate PSA Treatment, is sponsored by Novartis U.S. Clinical Development and Medical Affairs. The host and speaker have been compensated for their time. This program is intended for healthcare professionals. Here's your host, Dr. Ethan Craig. As we've discussed in other episodes in this podcast series, the treatment of psoriatic arthritis, or PSA for short, revolves not only around arthritis, but also around various domains of disease activity that unfortunately often refuse to behave together. That's why treating PSA is often a joint endeavor with patients, and we have to determine which domains to prioritize. So how and when should we escalate or change treatments in patients with psoriatic arthritis? That's what's to come in this podcast. Welcome to Reach MD, and I'm Dr. Ethan Craig. Joining me to discuss treatment escalation is Dr. Alexis Ogde. Dr. Ogde is an associate professor of medicine and epidemiology in the Perlman School of Medicine, and she's a director of the Penn Psoriatic Arthritis and Spondyloarthritis Program at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Ogde, thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So in thinking about the question of escalation of treatment in psoriatic arthritis, it's probably best to review some of the groundwork. So with that being said, Dr. Ogdi, what are you working with generally as your target to treat in PSA? And to what extent is your decision-making driven by a shared process with the patient?
1: Well, first, let's start with the target that I use. So when I'm in clinic, I'm monitoring several different things. One is the tender and swollen joint counts, the patient pain, patient global assessment, the patient's function, their skin disease, and then their enthesitis. So we want to make sure that all of those components are doing well in general. Meeting minimal disease activity is meeting five of the seven criteria. So... Also, though, you mentioned the role of shared decision making. That's probably the most important part. So, I want to use my assessment to inform how active I think the disease is, but then really get their opinion on how they're functioning and how they're doing and what's bothering them the most, and how important it is to feel better in a certain domain. So, for example, the other day, I saw a patient who was doing, you know, fairly well, but she really wanted to improve her, from my perspective, so her skin was fully under control, her joints were substantially improved, couple swollen joints yet, so she didn't quite meet all the MDA criteria, but what she really wanted was to be able to get back to playing basketball again. And so, instead of switching therapies for her, even though she had, uh, she didn't quite meet MDA, one of the things that we talked about was physical therapy and kind of getting her up and functional again. So just because you're not meeting MDA doesn't always mean that the next thing you need to do is switch therapies because she came from twelve joints down to two. so you know it's it's important to think about what the patient wants and what the patient needs as opposed to only switching based on MDA.
0: So we often end up reaching for biologics and treating patients with PSA, but if we start at the bottom of the ladder, who are the patients that you see as candidates for treatment with oral conventional or targeted synthetic disease modifying drugs in PSA?
1: Great question. So if a patient has oligoarticular disease or is you know not that bothered by the disease or you know can tolerate a slow ramp up or doesn't really is not quite ready for it in biologic or injectable medicine, then we will start with the oral therapies. Additionally, there may be some people where I just want to kind of get a sense of what's going on a little bit more, so we might want to try, and I think maybe they're going to need combination therapy. I might start with the oral therapy first, for example, and then give it some time to work. So I would say, though, the majority of people are going to be those patients with more mild disease or those that don't want a biologic yet.
0: And taking that as a baseline, what disease features lead you to jump right into a biologic rather than going to an oral small molecule drug?
1: Well, the primary one is going to be axial disease. So axial disease does not respond to those. So a lot of times we see people starting patients with axial PSA on sulfasalazine, but you can't really expect so much from sulfasalazine for the axial disease. In fact, in the axial disease recommendations, they no longer suggest using that. So we go straight to a biologic if they have SI joint films that have imaging evidence of sacroiliitis, or an MRI, for example, with sacroiliitis on imaging, any of those things that suggest active axial disease go to a biologic first. But some other things that we might think about are patients with more severe skin disease. Those are the patients, we have good biologics for severe skin disease, so we go straight to those in general. And then finally, other considerations would be things like uveitis. So uveitis that's recurrent might require a biologic first. Enthesitis that's been really bad or dactylitis, or poor prognostic factors like polyarticular disease or erosive disease at baseline. Those things might suggest being a little more aggressive with therapy right away. And so in that patient population, we'll start a biologic first.
0: So with all that being said, let's take the scenario of a patient that you see in clinic who's currently on a biologic drug. So let's say they've had an overall fair response. Their psoriasis body surface area is down to about 1% from about 5%. They maybe have three swollen joints down from 10 and two tender joints down from 6. They've had a partial response, which is fairly common. When you encounter this situation, how do you decide on escalation and how do you balance kind of adding an oral small molecule versus switching biologics or other approaches in these patients?
1: That's a great question. So, I mean, this is where shared decision making is so important because we don't really have the evidence yet to know what to do with that patient. And it's, like as you said, is very, very common. We see partial response all the time. So they still have three swollen joints and two tender joints and, you know, some skin. It's not so bad, but that might be an opportunity to add an oral small molecule to see what additional benefit you can get. Now, let's say that interim visit is at like, you know, eight weeks or two mo- uh, three months or so Then you may say, well, let's wait a little bit longer to see how you're doing and just supplement with some NZs and topicals, for example. But if this is already out at six months, that's where the oral small molecule may come in and could be done at any point along the way. But also, if it's six months out and we're not getting to a point where the patient is feeling much better, even though their joint counts have improved, we may consider switching therapy too. I tend to try to like to add or maybe even increase the dosing of the biologic. That is not always easy to do depending on what medication you're using. But if you can increase the dose, that's a good opportunity too. I tend to be more averse to switching biologics, particularly within the first six months to make sure that we give the biologic at least all the time that we can to get working. Because we know that some people don't fully respond until up to six months. So they could continue to have clinical benefit after three months. But at six months, if the patient's telling you, you know, right before my next dose, I'm feeling much worse. I'm having a prolonged morning stiffness of a couple hours. You know, that's the patient you're probably going to switch and say, this is might not be working for you. So that's a really circular answer because it's really hard and it really does depend on each individual patient. The one other thing to add there is that are there other things you can do to make them more comfortable? For example, if they, could they, have they done physical therapy yet and could they get that going to see if that could help a little bit as well in the interim? But in general, with three swollen joints still, there's something more to do still.
0: Now, you know, there's a huge amount of ground to cover on this topic, more so than we can probably cover in this short time. But before we close, Dr. Ogdi, is there anything else you want to add here or any other points that you might want to emphasize as take-homes?
1: One of the key things that I like to talk about is that when we think about treat-to-target and the way we've been trained in treat-to-target is really focusing on joints and, you know, joint swelling and maybe in psoriasis or in psoriatic disease, the psoriasis as well. But often that leaves a whole range of things that the patient is experiencing that we are not addressing. And so this is where the role of adjunct therapies can be really important. We're getting a trial off the ground to address this too. Are there easier ways to address this? But some things to think about are, number one, is the patient obese? Can, they, can you help them lose weight in some way, whether that's you know signing up for a weight reduction app or a weight program or sending them to a nutritionist or to the primary care doctor just to talk about weight loss strategies, even bariatric surgery when we get to that point? Number two, is there depression or anxiety because that can really drive symptoms and I I think that the stress of those two conditions can also in my view increase the inflammation that we see as well and we know that those patients don't respond as well to therapy so can we address that so sending them to therapy or even to psychiatrists or again just a primary care to address the depression and anxiety other things to think about other adjunct therapies can help with the pain some patients have a lot of pain left over whether or not they're swelling or not so using the, some of those older medications like amitriptyline gabapentin pregabalin those kinds of medicines can help with pain, but pain management might be able to help there too. In addition, other adjunct therapies like acupuncture. Acupuncture can provide a lot of benefit. Next, addressing, You know, if people have really high stress, that again can cause that you know continued pain cycle and disrupted sleep, which also leads to poor outcomes as well. So, is there a way you can help them deal with the stress, either through meditation? or getting involved in yoga or something that's going to help them reduce stress. And a lot of times that's therapy as well. So again, using the mental health resources available to us to help with those aspects. Or even sleep medicine if it's a purely sleep issue. And then fatigue is very common in our patients. And one of the things that we know helps with fatigue is regular exercise. So regular physical activity it has lots of benefits for cardiovascular health but also probably for our arthritis patients as well. So getting them moving is really important. And then finally, back to physical therapy, I already mentioned this, but I think physical therapy is important for every patient. Once the swelling is gone, people can still have pain left over in that joint, and physical therapy can help rebalance those muscles again and make things feel better. So in addition, a lot of our patients have non-inflammatory pain as well, and the physical therapy can be really beneficial for that. So lots of things to think about. Don't think about just switching the therapy, but think about what else can you add to make this patient's quality of life improve.
0: Well, with those key takeaways in mind, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Ogdi, for helping us better understand escalating PSA treatment. Dr. Ogdi, as always, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: This industry podcast was sponsored by Novartis U.S. Clinical Development and Medical Affairs. If you missed any part of this discussion or to find others in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash living room. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.